Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time! Oh, no. Oh, yeah! I finished these fights. Give me a hell yeah! Top Rope Nation. Learn to love it! It's the best thing going today. Here to talk about Night 2 WrestleMania 38, it's Ryan Drosty and Kyle Ross with episode 246 of Top Rope Nation. Kyle, how you doing this morning? Doing great! Got the house to myself. The old blind dog seems to be a little confused where his bed is. I don't know if I'm going to have to run over and show it to him in a minute, but, uh, you know... Night one, speaking of blind, the old blind squirrel seemed to find its nut. <laughs> yes. That referred is a great to the analogy. WWE. Yes. I think he may be uh, wandering around like Zuki uh, here on night two because, gang, I've worked myself into a shoot over the last 12 hours. I don't think I like night two at all. <laughs> there were some parts of night two I did like. There's other parts that I really did not like. Overall, I felt as though night two was not as good as night one. For sure. I think everyone across the board from what I'm seeing, you know, agrees with that. I, I would be stunned if someone held an opinion to the contrary. Yeah, you, you would really have to uh, <laughs> want to challenge yourself to try to make the case that night two was better than night one. It wasn't even close. Yeah. You know, yesterday in our night one review with Justin, by the way, Justin, how you doing? Hope all's well here on a Monday. Uh, we said that that show was better than either night last year. Mm-hmm. I think we we were all, you know, I threw that question out there. And I think all three of us agreed in the affirmative. To me, this was along the same lines as last year. A show which I don't think has aged particularly well, WrestleMania 37. Yeah. And I've got some big picture critiques I want to say for the end of the pod. Okay. As well about my relationship with WWE in the year of our Lord 2022 moving forward. <laughs> well, Kyle, I got to say, uh, I've been doing better. I am empowering through. Never, never doubt that I love our loyal listeners because I woke up this morning with just a hellacious cold or, or allergies. I don't know what's going on. So I apologize in advance if my voice is unlistenable and gets really ragged by the end of the show. But you sound good, and by God, you look great. The you know, <laughs> for people who don't have the video on, we have the glasses version. Yes. Ryan Dross here. I'm not used to this. I feel like I'm going to have to raise my hand when I want to speak during this podcast. <laughs> Like Actually, I don't even students. usually. I don't even usually wear these to school, and when, when I do, they know I'm not feeling good because my eyes are super puffy oh. right now from this cold and been watery, and didn't get much sleep last night. I've got my uh, 
got my Kleenexes here on the desk. I've got my hot drink. I've got some water. I'm going to power through with you, Kyle. You remember a couple of years ago, we had the old flu pod and uh, you were not feeling good that night. And Justin made a little graphic for that. This one you see on the screen right here. I think the uh, I think the roles are reversed this time, though. I think I think on this time you're Scotty and I'm Michael because okay, uh, yeah, you're gonna you might have to carry me, but yeah, we'll get through this, and then I am going to <laughs> I'm I'm gonna be sleeping hopefully. You know this this day I had taken a half day off of work to do the pod and didn't realize I was gonna be sick when I put in for this a couple of weeks ago. So we'll we'll see how it goes. So yeah. This, Someone on, on our Facebook group. Ryan also got caught in a giant mouse trap this morning. We'll talk about that one. What a few highlights I thought of. Yes, too. it was. Who would so, have thought we'd be saying that on a Monday morning? <laughs> I I did not. I definitely did not. Kyle, you're great for the show before we go any further. So you know how I hate this gimmick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I actually feel pretty confident uh, for today. I'm going C-. minus. Okay. On night two, I gave a B for night one. Thought it was a much better than usual WWE show. Talked about why I could understand why the listeners in our poll voted A mostly for night one. Yep. Um, I, yeah, by modern WWE standards, like I said, it was a good show. By a WrestleMania standard, I don't think you could give it an A. But. Last night was just, I, I felt like very emblematic of the modern WWE, which is we're going to, as again, I'll get into hopefully a little bit at the end. I, I'm not too keen on. And I'm left here on a Monday morning, not really any more excited about this promotion than I was on Friday afternoon, to be blunt with you. Yeah, I I would mostly agree with that, I think, as we'll we'll get into here. I'm looking up our poll results on Twitter right now. Looks like... Yeah, they were kind of flipped from night one, too. Like, mostly people had graded it an A for night one. Uh, mostly Bs for night two. 157 votes, 47.8% B, 21% A, 23% C, 7% D or F. I gave night one a B plus, and I am at a C for night two. Yeah, so I, I guess our listeners or the people on Twitter are a little higher than us because majority B I can't go that high on this show. There's too many issues with it. Yeah. So and you and I are basically the decline from night one to night two is the same. B plus yeah. to C for you, B to C minus for me. So we're kind of really just picking nits with that. But yeah, yeah. I, I just, I don't know, man. <laughs> Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Guys, before we go any further, real quick, if you're watching the video stream, you're seeing the names of our awesome patrons going across the bottom of the screen. Thank you all for your support. Best way to support the show, patreon.com slash top rope nation, bonus content, free sticker for joining up, uh, and access to behind the scenes creative. Uh, we've got a Patreon exclusive Facebook group. If you're a $10 patron, you get to nominate shows for top rope nation classics. We'll have an April one coming out here in a couple of weeks. We just dropped WrestleMania three a couple of weeks ago. That was really good. So yeah, if you want to get more Top Rope Nation in your ear holes, check out the Patreon page. <laughs> Link in the description. Or any of your holes, for that matter. <laughs> Just plug in Top Rope Nation wherever you can. Yeah. Uh, so, all right, yet again, two-hour pre-show. Nothing to really write home about, although I, did, I was made aware that there was a pretty good Paul Heyman promo in the pre-show. Did you, did you hear about this? 
No, the only thing of the pre-show that I had on, because, you know, yesterday's was so light, just dry. I was like, my God. Yeah. I, I made it a point not to watch the pre-show, so all I saw was Ezekiel Elliott and Micah Parsons, who really, God bless them, they seemed to like the WWE, but they didn't really seem to know any of the current storylines. And Zeke <laughs> might have been stoned, for all I know, so... <laughs> Yeah, well, apparently, and thank you in the chat, Jesse, he says I look healthier than Vince McMahon last night. Uh, <laughs> uh, apparently, there's this promo where, and they should have aired it on television, because I was listening to the guys uh, post-wrestling this morning, and they were covering it. They always do a great job. And and they were saying that uh, basically, Heyman's promo called back to you know his history with where he was with Brock when he defeated Taker at 30. And realizing, you know, like the end was near for Taker. And they talked about, you know, like the heritage of he had worked with Mark Calloway early in his career, you know, that he moves on to Brock Lesnar and uh, he could see the end of Taker. So he's with Brock. And now here at 38, he was kind of making the case that Roman's on the ascension and Brock's going downhill. So, you know, he's kind of changed sides to keep going with uh, who's the, on the who's ascending up and who is going down. Apparently it was a really good promo. I didn't have a chance to watch it this morning. I'm going to check it out later today. But outside of that, nothing to really talk about on the pre-show. No matches, two hours, uh, a lot of talking heads, a lot of promotional videos, things like that. Yeah. None of it makes you want to see the program more. It's just, I don't know. Talk. I feel it's not just WWE. It'd be easy to pick on WWE. But like a lot of these like two-hour pregame shows, I mean, you're a big sports fan. I mean, like for football, like, God, I mean, who gets their like news and analysis from those like NFL pregame shows on Sunday morning. Right. I mean, it's different for me because I, you know, obviously analyze it all week long and it's my job, but Mm -hmm. like, that's like the last place you'd want to go. I think for like analysis on what you're about to see. And I would say the same about the WWE pre-show. I'm going to check that Heyman promo out because the way you just laid it out, it also, it plays into Heyman's character perfectly. Like the Weasley guy trying to latch himself on to the next big thing. So Mm -hmm. that sounds good. Yeah. So they open the pay-per-view proper. You get America the Beautiful. And then out comes your boy, Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Now, (laughs) this, I think it was nice to do. It was a nice moment. I guess you lead off the show. They could have done it in the middle of the show, too. It definitely extended too long. And we didn't actually get the bell ringing for the first match until 22 minutes into the show. Uh, But, you know, Hunter made the announcement about his career can't wrestle anymore, comes out, you see his daughters at ringside, that was a nice moment, gets in the ring, welcomes everyone to WrestleMania, leaves his boots in the ring, and exits. So, it was a nice moment, it was a little long, but, uh, <laughs> you know, nice nice to see him with the family. Yeah. Kyle, your thoughts, anything? Yeah, a little long, it is Hunter at WrestleMania. <laughs> yeah. I wrote in our Facebook group, Hunter going 30 for old time's sake, or yep. what? Uh, but in all seriousness, I am glad the man is alive, obviously, and he can still spit water. I'm sure this meant a lot to him and his family, so... Good for that. Uh, there were some great other comments in our Facebook.com group as soon as uh, Mr. Helmsley came out. Justin had, quote, night one was better. <laughs> right off the rip as soon as Triple H shows up. Just hits us with a night one was our <laughs> that, that was good. And then you had the all-timer with, in quotes, who's out to start WrestleMania? You guessed it. Hunter Hearst Helmsley. K. Ross. And yes. it was been following along our... Uh, mania journey in the facebook group uh, i'm sure got a hearty laugh out of that one <laughs> i could just hear your voice in my head you guessed it yeah. hunter hearst helmsley um no but you know what this this first match so to me best match of the show 
was the first mm. match. This was an awesome one. And I, you know, going in, you look at the guys in the ring and you think, yeah, that could be a pretty good match. But in my opinion, this was the best match of the whole show. Like if I was actually going to rewatch anything from this, and I honestly probably never will, but if I was going to, it would be this first match, the the raw tag title match. So you got RK bro defending against the alpha Academy and the street profits. And dude, I just walked away from this thinking number one, Montez Ford. I just want to fast forward to him getting a singles push. This guy's incredible. Chad Gable is kind of settling into his role on the roster. You know, like uh, he does that whole shush thing. The crowd gets into it. It's kind of cringy to me, but you know, whatever. The crowd likes it. He's on he's on WrestleMania, which I don't think he has wrestled on the main card before. So, you know, this was right from the start. They clear the ring out. Everyone goes to the outside. You get uh, Montez Ford doing a flip to the outside and he lands on his feet which was incredible. Like he flips from the top rope to the outside, lands on the guys, hits his feet, and then like falls over because he needs to. But he definitely landed on his feet. And then Gable, not to be outdone, does a moonsault to the outside. Well, that was cool. Like, you know, memorable start to the match. Uh, A couple other things I had in my notes. Later on, Alpha Academy with the nod to the Steiner brothers getting into the Hall of Fame. They actually did the Steinerizer, the bulldog off the top. That was cool. Uh, we had Street Profits. Ford hit this crazy top rope blockbuster. Uh, he was, they showed like the replay. We all know he does, you know, great high flying wrestling. He always looks great with the frog splash. He was so high doing that blockbuster. It was just insane. So, I mean, there was a lot going on here. There, yeah, there's, there was a lot going on. Your thoughts, Kyle? Kind of cringy, but the crowd likes it. I think that's a very apropos way to uh, summarize WrestleMania 38 as a whole, to be honest with you, uh, to paraphrase what you said at the, with the shush thing. You know, I think that's a nice way to just talk about modern WWE. Anyway, <laughs> this was well worked for an opener. Like, this yeah. was a great, great choice for the opening match of the show. Much better than the previous night, even if there had been no injury. I, I, I think, you know, had Rick Boogs got blown out. Uh, the patella, you know, that match would not have been as good as this one. Uh, Gotti, this is awesome chant. Did we get any of those on night one? Mm. I was thinking because, like, they, they did it, you know, fairly early in the match. And I'm like, well, man, you know, I don't think we, I heard that because I always was know, there like, one during Seth and Cody? Maybe. I, I was thinking there could sure. have been. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, but, I'm not positive though. Okay. RK Bro is absolutely one of the most over and best acts in WWE today, and they should not be broken up anytime soon. I agree. I I say it with full sincerity. You know, I joke around a lot, but God's truth there, man. I I don't really want to see a Randy Orton singles push in 2022, nor do I think Riddle would fare well on his own. So together, they're at an appropriate place on the card and are over to the level of their push, if not more so. Right, I yeah. mean, they're, they're they're you know main event act on Raw. You can put them in the last segment, and people will be interested with that. Uh, kind of bored at this point with people just jumping into RKOs, though. Yeah, so the finish was Riddle did a springboard RKO on Ford. Which was actually was cooler cool. than the finish. Yeah, yeah. Orton hit Gable with you know, Gable was flying in with the RKO. He's done that a lot of times. You know, crowd always pops for the RKO though, and, and that was the finish. So. Yeah. 
It was a fun match, though. I, I actually really liked it, and I didn't have like super high expectations going in, but they won 11 and a half minutes. It was really good. I could absolutely listen to the argument that this was the best match on the show. It was certainly at least a gentleman's three stars. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You mentioned Montez Ford and a singles push. Look, I think a lot of people have that opinion. I would feel terrible for Angelo Dawkins, though, who I do think before they got to the main roster, put in a lot of genuine work to get better. When they Remember they did that tour of duty and evolve? Yeah. And he got like genuinely better in that run, and I, I, I just think he would be DOA. Uh, and I don't know if they've maximized this act as a team yet either. They feel like kind of an afterthought right now, but I, I think they're going to work RK-Bro moving forward. Yeah, so let's talk about the post-match, shall we? Because yeah. Street Profits propose a toast. I thought it might be a heel turn for them. Same. At that point, because that was kind of teased. We mentioned this on the Raw or the Mania preview show last week that there was a promo on Raw where they they sort of foreshadowed a heel turn. But instead, it was just a way to get Gable Stevenson in the mm-hmm. ring. And he then proceeded to suplex the Gable out of Chad, I presume. <laughs> uh, yep. you know, I, do you think we're Chad Gable's gonna get a name change? What the hell? It's too many gables, pal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. He's had Shorty G before. They're going to have to come up with yet another name for this guy. Call him Chad Repack, our favorite Chad. <laughs> yes, Chad Repack. Uh, here's my question, though, with this Gable Stevenson. And we thought he might do something on this card. We talked about it twice, both the Mania preview and our night one review. Did the afterbirth seemingly kill the crowd who was very into RK Bro? And share, like, they brought Stevenson. It seemed like when it was all over and Stevenson had suplexed. Chad Gable, it seemed like the crowd came down from where they were at. And Stevenson does not seem comfortable on camera at all. I know this no. guy's start in his pro wrestling career, but my God, it seems like he wants to like run away from the camera when he's in there. <laughs> I mean, obviously he's a uh he's a big dude too, but like next to some of these guys in the ring, he didn't look that big. <laughs> to be I don't know if you noticed that or not, but uh he did. I mean, like Chad Gable is really ripped. Gable looked like, I mean, he's smaller, obviously, and stuff, but he actually looked more jacked to me than Gable Stevenson. God, I just hope Vince McMahon doesn't turn on Gable Stevenson the way he turned on uh, Kane Velasquez. I know, I mean, so. Yeah. Well, I thought, I thought you know, it, it makes sense as a way to, to bring him in. You got Chad Gable in there who has the amateur wrestling background. Um, he's an actual Minnesotan, I believe. Gable Stevenson wrestled for Minnesota, but he's, I think he's from Indiana. Uh, but you know, there's that Minnesota connection there too. It, it was a nice way to introduce him, I, I think. But I agree, it did kind of bring the crowd down just a yeah. little bit. It, it was an easy thing to do. They were thinking, okay, Gable, shush. People want to see him get suplexed. He hit the cup out of his hand. But yeah, I don't know. Man. Obviously, by the way, Vince McMahon is probably glad at this point that he <laughs> thought Kane Velasquez was a <laughs> false bag of goods. I don't think he would want Kane on his roster right now. No. Although, yeah, I was just gonna say Kane, so. Gable Stevenson has some issues going on too that I guess we could probably just drive by, but probably should be mentioned. He, uh, so he, yeah, he gave the overhead release belly to belly. And, mm-hmm. uh, I think that was Jimmy Smith on commentary. Throw oh, yeah. out of a, he said it was a quote, throw out of a body lock. <laughs> what? <laughs> throw out of a body lock. Okay. What did Eric belly Bischoff to used to always say? A back leg front kick or something like that? Yeah. That kind of reminds yeah. me of that. You can tell who's really been around the industry for a long time, and who has not. And, and I don't hate Jimmy Smith, for the record, but that was goofy. That was not good. Okay. And speaking I, of not good. <laughs> well, I, you, it, before the next match, we did get okay. the first of 
many video recaps of night one. Why even take notes or listen to a podcast when you can just watch night two of WrestleMania and have I the mean, previous constantly, night recap? They hit you over the head with it over and over and over. Like last night, full highlights. I mean, I thought they're going to show the entire Cody Rhodes entrance and the entire match at one point. It was just like they kept going back to it and like, yeah, we saw it 24 hours ago. Moving on, guys. I mean, Jesus. I mean, my short-term yeah. memory is not that bad, guys. <laughs> Omas and Lashley. So we did not have high hopes for this one <laughs> coming in, so to speak. Uh, Justin's comment in the Facebook group, nice crotch crotch shot of uh, Lashley as he makes his entrance. They got like the low camera angles. They pan up to him and he's like flexing. <laughs> and I shared that picture from, uh, what is it, WrestleMania 4 when me, Gene, is looking at Brutus Beefcake's package and says mm. what a package oh my god dude i was watching that i had i had flashbacks to no holds barred remember no holds barred how like zeus would just like completely lose his mind and flex and go crazy and it's like the camera pans up and then you see him standing there lashley and he's just like flexing like crazy i mean it's just over the top testosterone here i was thinking god if anyone walks in right now who's not a wrestling <laughs> fan they're like what are you watching <laughs> That was it was goofy. The match itself. Gary you know. Strydum. <laughs> <laughs> Shout it out was... to all you WBF fans over out there. Yeah. Do you want to talk about how much you like uh, professional bodybuilding, Kyle? I mean, I've heard you talk about it on Liam's podcast a few times. Dude. <laughs> I'm, no, we're not going to talk about it here. I'm going to offer a tease. And this podcast, I'm sure, will be released at some point in the next five years. So just hold on to this vote. We found the greatest Bret Hart quote on the WBF ever. Like Bret Hart just burying, not just the W, but bodybuilding in general. We'll play. It was it was so awesome. I don't want to spoil. I'm sure some people have heard it, but it was so good. But yeah, Bret Hart's always right, man. What can I say? Yeah, bodybuilding always uh, bodybuilding sucks. But uh, (laughs) the way they were shooting Omas, you know, you talk about Lashley and his package. But uh, <laughs> Eric from, you know, he, he was doing the live blog. I've referenced this guy a lot uh, from Sagudi Kaidan. His blog, he made a good point about the way they were shooting Omas and how it was kind of questionable. I saw a lot of people in our group talking about it as well, that they were shooting him so close in that effort to show off his size. But here's something I stole off that review from Sagudi Kaidan. Quote, you're in a stadium of 70,000 people. He is literally the biggest person in that sea of 70,000 people. You do not need to zoom in on him and film up from his dick. Anytime they would cut away to him from a distance, he looked so huge on that ramp. I thought that was an interesting point. Yeah. You know, like it, it, it was zooming in. It actually maybe did his size a disservice. You mean WWE's production wasn't up to par? Go figure. Yeah. Uh, you know what may have, uh, who may have done himself a disservice? The Omos, entirety of this match. <laughs> Omas running into the corner, which he fucked up maybe an all-time first for that spot. I've never seen someone just run at somebody into a corner and do it wrong. He did. Real bad. Are you talking about when Lashley... There's a point where Lashley hit his head on the ring post. Is that the part you're talking about? I think that's what they tried covering, but like Omas just sloppily ran at him and kind of like... He's sort of, like, even though Bobby Lashley, who is a very large human being, as you just pointed out, in the turnbuckle, nowhere for him to go, he's going to take Omas running at him. Somehow, like, Omas didn't 
connect all the way, despite oh, yeah, a okay. very large human being being wedged onto the, you know, wedged against the turnbuckle. I'd yeah. never seen anything like that. It was very sloppy. That's a different spot. Yeah, there was a point later where Omas had him in a bear hug, and he threw Lashley to the corner, and Lashley's like back hit the top turnbuckle, and his head like went off the post. That was pretty nuts. But yeah, it was it was not good. Omas was getting heat early, beating down Lashley, <laughs> well, trying to get heat. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say the crowd was dead during. They didn't really care. Uh, yeah, I mean overall, so Lashley comes back. He does a suplex. You know, they were really selling that uh, he hit the big guy with the suplex. I don't think this one's going to get replayed like Hulk and Andre guys. But, uh, yeah, he suplexed the big man. And, yeah, and in the end, he hits the spear and he wins. And Lashley, my God, this guy must have sweat out two gallons. Justin had to be approving at home. It was a great sweating performance by Bobby Lashley. Not a great match. No, I think the only person who would have been intrigued by Omos in this match was old Terry Eugene Bollea at home in Clearwater, thinking, oh, brother, I could have worked with this guy in 93 and drawn so much money. (laughs) So when we did our preview show, we were having a hard time because they bring back Lashley on short notice to work Omos, who they've been given this push to. And it was like, do you beat Lashley here? But then how do you beat Omos? Omos loses. He's either going to be unemployed or going back to NXT, don't you think? I don't know what you do with this guy. He is not good. (laughs) Well, you know, I think Lashley just coming back, the fact was maybe to tell he wouldn't lose. Because if I'm Mm -hmm. him and Vince McMahon's like, hey, pal, why don't you come back early and uh, look at the lights for Omos? I'd be like, dude, my shoulder actually is (laughs) is dead. I I would just like call in dead to work that day. I don't need the money that bad. Say I'm paralyzed or something. I don't know. Like just, yeah. Um, yeah, I agree with you. Omas, I think they're cutting bait with him, maybe, in, in some regard. The push is over. What a waste of a year that was. You know, I mean, think back to last year at WrestleMania. People were taught, like, they booked him perfectly for that tag team match, and then they did what we all feared they'd do. Vince McMahon would fall in love with the size and push him as a single too early. Him and AJ, that was a good team. Yeah. That was, a, like, it was a perfect use of AJ, who I don't want to see have a big singles push. We'll get to him later on. And they just broke the team up, did this soft baby face turn for AJ. He loses to Omas, which meant nothing. And and here we are. So, yeah, just real questionable uh, big picture booking. Not that I want to see Omas, you know, in mm. the main event or that he should be in the main event. He shouldn't. He's just not ready. I do laugh when Jim Cornette calls him almost as in that he's almost a pro wrestler. That is funny. <laughs> That's uh, but, you know, in all seriousness, Omas, he, he's more Giant Gonzalez than he is Andre the Giant. Mm-hmm. And I should probably reiterate the comments I made on this telecast around last year. This is a guy who played D1 college basketball. He's, you know, seven, whatever, seven foot, whatever. Didn't get a sniff from the NBA. How unathletic do you have to be? <laughs> yeah. You can't get a sniff from the NBA at that with, with that kind of size. So, yeah. Crowd woke up for Lashley's comeback, though. And you got to assume he's going back to the title picture because that seems logical. Never was beaten for it. Yeah. And check it out. We got Rick Skelton, patron of the show, across the pond, able to join oh. us live. Oh. Good to see Rick here. Hear in the chat. <laughs> 
Give me a good negative comment on WrestleMania 38 <laughs> night too, Rick. Come on, feed it into my veins. Well, we're getting to the negatives pretty soon. Although not this next match, no. dude. I I take back everything bad I said about Johnny Knoxville on this podcast. And you know he hasn't really been a mainstream star in a long time. I don't. This was hilarious. I was laughing my ass off through the whole thing, and Sammy was the perfect opponent for it. Uh, I watched the event last night with my dad. And my my six year old was watching this match. I mean, we're talking a difference of sixty five years between them, and they both were just hysterical <laughs> the whole time. My daughter immediately after asked to rewatch it. She's like, "Can we rewind and watch it?" And she actually took the controller from me. I was like, "No, no, no, we got to get through this." I said, "We can watch it after school tomorrow." <laughs> she loved oh. it, dude. It was it was so funny. I mean, the mouse traps, <laughs> the shots to the nuts. We got every, I mean, they played all the greatest hits. We got Party Boy out there. We got Wee Man out there. Uh, yeah, it was, I mean, it was well done for what it was. This was exactly what it was supposed to be. You're not, it's not going to be a classic wrestling match, but it was entertaining. And I think you made a comment in the Facebook group that, uh, you know, Sammy was the guy to do it with, obviously. I'm sorry, Rick Skelton saying, oh, I didn't watch it, but I watched WrestleMania 9 again. <laughs> what an on-brand co- comment that was. Unbelievable. <laughs> Five-star comment of the pod. Okay. Oh, my gosh. That's funny. So let's go back to my commentary yesterday on celebrity matches. I assume you remember that, Ryan, since you mm-hmm. were doing the podcast with me. You know, I said I didn't like, and this was about the Logan Paul deal, how WWE in the modern era has its celebrities work and appear just like they're another wrestler. Uh, and in that regard, this match was worked a lot smarter given who was involved. Remember what I said about Kevin Green, a yep. NFL player who did football tackles when he wrestled in WCW 96-97. Well, guess how Johnny Knoxville, a stuntman per se, worked <laughs> by doing jackass type shit. He didn't go out there and work like a normal wrestler and just feel like a normal wrestler. He went out there and worked like Johnny Knoxville, the star of Jackass. And I'll be very blunt with you. I was never into Jackass when it was at its zenith. Never really watched it. Don't really know these people from Adam. But this was good. And this and the opener were the best things on night two. Uh, this was better than Bad Bunny. It was better than Logan Paul or any of the Pat McAfee fat matches. Uh, I was, my heart was warmed by the fact that the Minutemen have come to WrestleMania, the Jackass theme, Corona, my God. I mean, this embarrasses, you know, CFO and all <laughs> these horrible WWE themes. Uh, the Minutemen have one of my favorite album titles of all time, Double Nickel on the Dime, which was a pot shot at Sammy Hagar's I Can't Drive 55 which is just an yeah. execrable song. It's really so like it's like it's 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 some guy smiling driving a car going exactly 55 miles an hour. <laughs> that's perfect. Yeah, I, I know there's like six people who think that's funny, but guess what? I'm one of those six. Uh Zane did work his ass off here. You're right. He was the perfect person to do this. Uh the Huluva kick on Wee Man was great. Uh Michael Cole Dark Shark trying to get at Zane. That's not something I expected to ever hear at a WrestleMania. Uh, Pat McAfee was good, I think, I count for once in this match. Uh, Cole had clearly never seen Jackass, though, in his career. He sounds like such a tool <laughs> when he laughs. Yeah. You see, there's so many comments in the chat right now, but Derek sent me, Derek Chappelle, 
He's in the chat right now. He sent me a meme this morning, and it was that big hand that was on the outside, and it was like the child of Mark Henry and May Young has grown yeah. up. That was pretty funny. But, yeah, it was it was great for what it was. It was hilarious. Yeah, I, I loved yeah, it. Yeah, it, it was different, and a celebrity actually got to show why they're a celebrity. Remember, I said that. Yeah. That WWE is always tell and not show. They, this mm-hmm. guy's such a big celebrity. Don't you get it? And then they don't ever let that person show why they're a celebrity. Whether you liked Jackass or or you didn't, Johnny Knoxville basically took this opportunity to show how he became famous. And Sami Zayn, like Kevin Owens the night before, probably at the time of his life. So who am I to complain? Yeah. We, uh, we all wondered how he would follow up his best friend having such a big night. You know? Yeah. And, and I, we'll come back to this when we talk about Edge and AJ Styles because there was a lot of hot takes flowing with mm-hmm. those two matches, comparing and contrasting them, who would like them, who didn't like them. And I feel like I actually don't have any hot takes on either of them when you compare them. But we'll come back to that later. Um, I did have the the agents for these matches. I was going to read oh. off. I forgot. Uh, the Raw Tag Titles match was agented by Abyss. Lashley and Omas by Adam Pierce. Sorry, Adam Pierce, to associate you with that. Uh, Knoxville and Zane. This was Shane, Shane Helms and Kenny Dykstra. And the women's tag that followed this, no surprise, Tyson Kidd uh, and Molly Holly and Sean Devari. So, yeah, let's should we talk about the the women's tag then? I guess. <laughs> this one, I guess going in, my thought was I wanted to see Sasha Banks get a WrestleMania win. You know, that's been a narrative. She's never won at WrestleMania even though she probably should have when you look at the last show they had in this very same venue back at WrestleMania 32. I think everyone kind of agrees. I I said at the time she should have won, and I think everyone looking back agrees now. Um, and you know, she gets the win here. So her and Naomi are the women's tag team champions. They, the boss and the glow they're calling themselves. And, you know, for me, (laughs) there was, there was this back and forth in the chat, uh, on our Facebook page about how people want to see Sasha in the women's title hunt, you know, and I agree, but there's not going to be an opening there for a little while because obviously Charlotte and, Rhonda are going to continue over on SmackDown, you know, and, for the time being. And, and you're not going to beat Bianca so soon after she beat Becky. So good yeah. point by you right there. So I think what you do is, you you know, you have them with have this run as the tag champs for a little bit. And when you're ready to elevate Sasha back into the women's title picture, she could have a built in opponent, Naomi. You know, you do the splits and, and there you go. And you can get something fresh from the women's title situation on SmackDown. So. I, yeah, I, I was glad they won. Uh, the match was all right. It wasn't like an all-time classic or anything like that. But all all around, it was a pretty good match. What did yeah, you I think mean, of it? At least the you know the people like the winners, I guess, is probably the most positive thing I could say about this. It, they were in a tough spot following mm-hmm. that last match and another multi-team tag match earlier in the show. Yeah. The opener. Uh, does not help that it was four teams that basically just feel like they're thrown together for this card. Yeah. Uh, it was pointed out to me that Natty runs the ropes differently depending on if she is going to hit the move or have it counter. Really? I, I do not know if I am going to do any film study on that, so I'm going to take that criticism at face value. Uh, I do say get rid of Natty and give me Jenny Neidhart instead. <laughs> because that, that thing where Natty poses, it's the most inauthentic thing, I think, in the history of wrestling. You know when she just stops and goes like, mm-hmm. like it's just yep. awful. <laughs> Why does she do that? 
Like, does she think anyone is, like, does anyone respond to it? Does she think anyone's responding to it? You know what she should do? She should stop and then do that maniacal laugh her dad used to do. Now, that would be good. Yes. that would be funny. Yes. Uh, (laughs) There was an attempt, I don't believe they completed it, uh, at a heart attack, her and Shayna Baszler. Hmm. In the match, so I don't think they, I think it was countered at some point, but uh, I commented during the match, Pillman Jr. is going to take the fall here, isn't he? Oh, wait, wrong promotion, wrong gender. <laughs> yeah. I just felt like, why? you know, it's one of those things you just sort of just drift out of when you're watching it. And yeah, it was just like, you know, if it was AEW, it just felt like a match Brian Pillman Jr. would lose. Um, I don't know. This was, I had no interest coming in to this. And I really, it's the women's tag belts, man. Like I said, they haven't meant shit in three years. Yeah. Uh, Edge and AJ. Uh, Ripley. Should we? We just got a comment. Why can't WWE do anything with Ripley? Hmm. It blew it a long time ago. I mean, you know the the look that she has going though with that team. I mean, I saw a lot of positive people like the look uh, with yeah. her and, and Liv. But yeah, again, I mean, to your point, there's not a lot of room to move up right now. And I've made this. You know, I like Rhea Ripley, and I think she has a lot of potential, but she doesn't wrestle with confidence. You can tell that she's doubting herself a little bit. Maybe that has to do with you know, how she's been booked and she kind of realizes, mm-hmm. oh, maybe they don't like me as much as I thought they did. Yeah, that's well, exactly I mean, that's, it, that's the yeah. point I made, Brian. Yeah. Before. I mean, I mean, if if you are her, it's it's easy to see how you would have that in your head, given how they booked her when they brought her up. I mean, she was riding high from NXT when she came up. I mean, she was as hot as almost anything in the company, you know, when she won the title at the end of what was that, 2019? And since yeah. then, yeah, I mean, her booking's been terrible. She was another victim of Charlotte Must Pose. Yep. Still Absolutely. waiting for how that one's supposed to play out, Triple H. I thought that's what he was going to say when he came out to start the show. He was going <laughs> to tell us the future direction of Charlotte and Rhea. <laughs> uh, now, your worst expectations for Edge and AJ Styles, I got to say, came true, Kyle. Because you were worried they'd go way too long. They did. 24 minutes and 27 seconds. Um, yeah, this was, it was just a very basic match. It, there was nothing in it to keep me glued to the match. It's just dragged on and on and on. And Ed, Ed, Edge came out, you know, he's got this new Alter Bridge theme song. He's wearing purple and black. He's co-opted the Undertaker's old place, I guess. Um, it, it was like combo Triple H and Undertaker. I yeah, think. yeah. Um. Boy, I don't know. I didn't think much of this match. It just seemed like a really long TV TV bout to me. Yeah. What if we had a two night mania that was just Triple H versus Edge? First night entrances, second night, just them wrestling the whole time. <laughs> I feel that at some point we might get there. Although Triple H, I you know we can't. We know Triple H can't get in the ring. Um, you know Brian, I saw him in the chat here earlier. Say, oh, I hope Kyle doesn't give Edge versus AJ four stars. Brian, you must have. Uh, been on sabbatical from the program for a little bit there because there was almost zero chance that this match was going to get four stars from me. As I said on our preview, it was the pretend good match of the show. And I think Edge's problem right now is that he has in his head an idea of what a good match is. And that idea is flawed. Brian said in the chat, uh, could be a hot take. Christian versus Cole with no build will be better than this match. I don't think that's a hot take. I think that's accurate. I mean, Kyle, you've been very vocal on this show in the past that you've always thought that Christian was the better of the two. 
which is a take I stole from my good friend Chad. I'll be honest. He was very <laughs> adamant about that in 2001. Yeah. Uh, back, he, he, I remember him saying, who would like Edge better than Christian? But, you know, what do you think about that? Like, Edge in his head has this idea, this definition of a good match. And that definition appears to be flawed. If you look back at, you know, going all the way to 2020 when he first returned. Yeah, I mean, his matches all have that very old school feel if they start off very slow you know <laughs> the did. headlocks but they never like seem to hit that next gear at all yeah and the, no. the end of the uh, end of this match was like very telegraphed it was so obvious what was going to happen yeah. with that spear out of the the phenomenal forum yeah you know if someone were to come up to me on the straight and it would be kind of weird if they did but if they're like excuse me kyle ross of top rope nation podcast what you know what makes a good pro wrestling match i would actually struggle to answer that question, I think in that yeah. circumstance. But if you if you take a match I like, I can explain why I like it. Mm-hmm. And to something you said earlier about there was just nothing unique here. I think that's the story of Edge's career. I just don't know what this guy does that is uniquely good, let alone great. Like tell like like I I, I I not to harp on him and I'm gonna defend him later on, folks. So don't get mad. Like this like Meltzer love affair with Edge. I just don't get it. It how telling is it? By the way, his Observer Hall of Fame vote percentage. Did you see this? Went down. Yeah. And that's despite Meltzer being complimentary of him. The voters usually take their cues from Dave. And Edge's percentage went down during this comeback run. What does that say? Edge? I don't dislike Edge. I've always felt like him and Christian were very comparable. I they're they're both so Christian probably technically is better on the mic, but Edge has had a little bit more of like that larger than life feel to him when he was at his top when he was on the mic and doing character work and stuff. Uh yeah, in the ring though, like Christian is definitely, definitely technically sound, much more technically sound, better in that regard. The reason Edge feels like a bigger star compared to Christian is because he's been presented as such. Yeah. I mean, it was always meant to be that way because like, he was bigger. I mean, yeah, that's what it comes down to. Like, like yeah. even before their team hit its apex in 2000, you always kind of knew they wanted to break the team up and push Edge as a single. Mm-hmm. And it didn't really take until, uh, honestly, freaking started doing Lita behind the scenes. That was Edge's best. I mean, I, you know, I mean, he's a happily married man. I, I, I'm glad everyone is is happy now. Both Matt Hardy's happily married. You know, Lita, yeah. I, I wish her well. But outside of 2005, 2007, like Edge is just very far from my favorite. Um, AJ was cut on his way to the ring. Have we? That was bizarre. I think it was we from the got, pyro. Well, that's what he, Meltzer said. Or, now, Ryan, no, actually, didn't someone had a he like hit his head on the something on the entrance? Ryan Satin tweeted that in a failed attempt to be cool. God, he should be shoved <laughs> into a locker. I know we're not supposed to talk like that anymore, <laughs> oh, but come on, man, guy's such a knob job. I my my initial inclination it was probably the pyro, but that was very odd. I mean, he was really yeah. bleeding. <laughs> yeah, uh, and you, you mentioned this. Let's not bury the lead here. Uh, weak finish for a match like this. Uh, Damian Priest joining Edge. 
in a group that I'm sure will be heavy on brooding. They'll be very <laughs> intense <laughs> randomly. Uh, I assume the youngster priest, who is like 40, by the way, uh, will eventually turn on Edge. Uh, yeah. I am not really interested in the Edge-AJ feud continuing, but it obviously is going to. And man, does Damian Priest really look like a mid-card version of Roman Reigns. <laughs> I like the pairing, though. Because, I mean, Damian Priest isn't going anywhere right now. So if he can get the rub from Edge at least a little bit, if Edge is going to lead a new heel faction or something and elevate some younger guys just by association, I'm good with that. I mean, because that, I mean, that is how the WWE audience works. They, you know, you see one of those guys associate with a guy who's, pre- as you said, presented as a top star all these years. And uh, it, it could work. I mean, at least it's something new. I'm I'm intrigued by it at least. Yeah. Again, though, Edge and AJ continue another pay per view match. I mean, I wasn't even excited coming to this one. Now we're gonna get another. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny. So I'm sure in the Wrestling Observer newsletter, this match will have a higher star rating than Sami Zayn versus Johnny Knoxville. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Like I, yeah. I uh, and there was a lot of back and forth going on around this part of the show, at least on my Twitter timeline of. You know, people taking umbrage with the fact Dave was going to do that. And, you know, and then there's, I'm sure, people who are like Dave and think this is way better than Sami Zayn versus Johnny Knoxville. I think they're kind of like, at the end of the day, close in terms of star ratings. I would actually give Zayn and Knoxville a slightly higher star rating. But it's like, I didn't love Zayn and Knoxville to the degree that some people did. And I certainly could not hate it to the, you know, Meltzer said it was like horrible in parts, I think in a tweet, which some people got upset about. Um, and then this edge and AJ styles, while I certainly, my tone was a lot more negative on it. It wasn't like the worst match of all time, but at the same time, I guarantee whatever Meltzer gives it as a star rating is too high. It'll be over four. I, I almost crazy. guarantee. You. Yeah, How I would, would give, I would give this like three and a quarter tops. Personally, yeah, I, mean, I, I almost think like two and three quarters because three to yeah. me is good, and I don't know if this was good. I, I would give Zane Knoxville three stars and this like two and three quarters. Yeah, I mean, give it the uh, give it the old rewatch test. You know, which of those two matches would you rather rewatch? To me, it's Knoxville and Zane every time. So to yeah. me, it should be higher. You should be high rated. Yeah, but. Yeah, it was and the, the crowd a very average like match. The, the, the crowd, which both nights was into almost everything, the live crowd in the mm-hmm. stadium, they didn't seem that into this. You can't have a 25-minute match that is just average. An average match cannot go on 25 minutes. Yeah. That was the problem. And, and it was a cold feud, too. Yeah. We, we talked about that on the preview. Yeah. Uh, Petey Williams agented that match, by the way. Uh, and then there were no I mean, Canadian the, destroyers. No. <laughs> uh, Ridge Holland and Sheamus taking on New Day, so they got it on the night two card after cutting it from night one. Yet they gave them less than two minutes. Uh, New Day loses. Nothing really happened here. Uh, Kyle, any thoughts on this? Some real Owen Hart versus Skinner vibes, I think, uh, with this yeah. one in terms of. Card placement and time. Man, Xavier Woods and Kofi, they did get to pay tribute to their boy Big E with the singlets, mm-hmm. but they were squashed like grapes for the second year in a row on a WrestleMania. Remember, yeah. they were the ones who lost to that AJ and Omas uh, team. Mentioned that earlier. Uh, New Day needs to leave WWE. Dude, seriously. I mean, 
the character is cooked from WWE's perspective. I yeah, mean, I mean, they're they're not going to be. I mean, they're all. I mean, God, I mean, God, they're signed for I think a long time still too. Didn't they sign like five year deals in 2019? And God, are they going to like tack on time to Big E's? I mean, I don't know what Big E is going to. You know, who, who knows what his future is? It, it, obviously, the, there's no one you root for more than him right now. But Jesus. Yeah, uh, that's right. Xavier is signed through December of 24. Big E, Kofi, all of them through December of 2024. And then you then you got uh, him being out there. had some real Dino Bravo at Mania 3 vibes. You know, just why is this guy even associated with the team? Yeah. Looking for porridge on the outside of the ring. Yeah, I agree with uh, I agree with this comment coming in from Facebook. I mean, you've got all this time to fill. You've got two hours now. There is something to be said about not having pre-show matches because then when you get to the actual like main show premium live event, you know the crowd is really pops for the first match. They haven't seen anything out there yet. But I mean, at the same time, how do you, how can you justify all of this television time and not giving these guys even two minutes? All right, here's a take for you. Please answer it honestly. Would they have been better off just not doing it at all? Like, if this match had not been announced for WrestleMania and they just did it on SmackDown this week as, like, a logical grudge match and it got more time, would that not have been better? I mean, I know that the guys would have been bummed that they wouldn't have been on the WrestleMania card, and that's kind of considered an insult professionally. But what did this do for anybody? Like, okay, we're talking about New Day getting squashed like grapes. Is anyone out there? Find me a human being in the WWE universe who is more excited about Sheamus and Ridge Holland today than they were yesterday. Find that person for me, Ryan Trosty. I think, yeah, I think the the winners was predictable, but I expected them to get, you know, like a 10-minute match going into this weekend. So uh, I think if I were them, I would be even more angry having gotten the match. You know, like I would have been pissed when they cut my match. And then when they tell me, okay, we're going to do it tomorrow. And then you get a minute and 52 seconds, I think Brian said in the chat. Then I'd be even more angry. So they probably, in the end, would have had less anger if they had not done the match at all. Yes, I agree. You know what makes me angry? Um, Pat McAfee's announcing. Yes, and also Byron Saxon's announcing. And Byron Saxon's (laughs) shilling. Uh, Up next, we got him. I I wanted to get this in there. He shilled a Mark Wahlberg movie because, of course, Mark Wahlberg did the open for WrestleMania. Uh, Yeah. Byron Saxon shilling a Mark Wahlberg movie as if, as if I needed any more justification not to see a Marky Mark film. <laughs> Mark Wahlberg it, it, is opening uh, burger joints all around Iowa. Do you know about this? Oh, we have what? Yeah, we have burgers or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah we have they're one. now opening here too. It's like, what is this? His career peaked in fear. <laughs> yeah, on that roller coaster with Reese Witherspoon. Oh yeah, if you know, you know. That was Reese Witherspoon, right? In that movie? I think so. Fear? Yeah. Yeah. Sounds right. I have not seen that. Reese Witherspoon's in it. In a long time. Yeah. Uh, Pat McAfee and Austin Theory. Well, what about The Undertaker coming out? Oh, Again. yeah. We got that a, a second time. <laughs> Taker gets the long entrance with the gong and everything, but dressed up in a suit. It's a nice reception from the home state and everything. Two nights yeah. in a row of that. Looked like he was going to give a TED Talk. Many people <laughs> mentioned that during his Hall of Fame speech. Yes. And I, the only reason I wanted to bring this up and make the TED Talk joke is because 
I also would like to bring up how shitty Eric Bischoff's actual TED Talk was. I never saw it. Watch it. Do yourself a favor. You want me to watch it? Oh, my God. One of the worst opening 30 seconds of any bit of public speaking in the history of the spoken word. I now must see this. (laughs) Make a note. Eric Bischoff's TED Talk. And text me to see it. Maybe I should put it on this afternoon when I'm trying to nap. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Well, you'll get a little fired up for the first 30 seconds. You're like, God, what a douche. But I don't know, man. When he was done talking, I wish we hadn't evolved from cave paintings, quite frankly. (laughs) Eric Bischoff? Oh. All right, so we'll keep moving here because my cold is progressively yeah, getting okay, worse here. Okay. We can do uh, it. We can do it. We can do it. I can power through. All right, McAfee and Austin Theory, uh, the SmackDown announcer, goes over the regular talent tile. <laughs> now McAfee, he did look good. Take us yes. through this. Okay, the crowd was definitely into McAfee. Seven Nation Army, one of the more famous songs, rock, am- more famous rock anthems of the 21st century. There aren't many good rock anthems in the 21st century. Seven Nation Army, definitely one of them. It made Pat McAfee even more over. But I do not get the logic of having your color commentator cleanly beating someone pushed as Vince McMahon's protege and announced by Vince in the introduction as a future universal champion. Yeah. Watching this, if like you hear that and you're like, oh, this guy must be important, Austin Theory. And he was then made to look not important at all. And I am not a fan of that whatsoever. Going back to the celebrity wrestling discourse from yesterday. I just, I get it, man. McAfee cares. And he was as over as anybody, you know, on this show. But let's read that again. Your color commentator cleanly beat someone pushed as Vince's protege and a future universal champion. I know it was a roll-up finish and the crowd liked it. I just, I disagree with that, man. I just disagree with it. 100%. So then Vince gets in afterwards and does a match with McAfee. So I hope everyone, including Ryan Satin, that execrable Damian Sandow lookalike, uh, apologizes to Dave Meltzer because Meltzer was right. Meltzer does not fear facts, apparently, as the sign would say. Um, and, you know, going back to Top Rope Nation Extra a few weeks ago. I had pushed back on Meltzer's take on the Cody situation, but I did, if you remember, Patreons know this, co-sign what Dave said that Vince was originally supposed to be part of this whole deal, and he was. He gets in the ring, you know, teases it for a while, you know, getting in, rips the shirt off, he's got a tank on, and ooh boy. More time than the main event, as pointed out by Brian in the chat for this Vince stuff. I ain't going to hold back on my language here. Vince, Pat McAfee, this match was abysmal and absolute fucking masturbatory trash in one of the lowest moments in WrestleMania history. Oh, boy. It was like the heel version of the WrestleMania 9 ending. I yes. feel we're like, we're, you know, like <laughs> yes. the, the lesser heel couldn't get it done. So Vince yep. was like Hulk Hogan to Austin Theory's Bret Hart, except they're heels. Uh, I got to bring up. Ah, oh, damn it. I don't have my phone. I got to bring this up here because Liam, he and he won't mind. I already checked it with him. Uh, he had this like great 
comment about Vince McMahon and how just disgusted he was with like the fan response and the announcing to Vince. It was like the announcers were telling you how great and eh, Facebook's not going to fucking say, but I'll paraphrase. Liam, he messaged me. He's like, you know, the announcers are gushing over how great Vince looks when he yeah. looks like Kermit the Frog stuffed with steroids and formaldehyde. <laughs> he looked like a decently in shape, you know, almost 80 year old man, but like nothing like he used to. They were really no. putting that over, you know, too much. Um, nor would yeah. you expect him to be, but you wouldn't expect an 80 year old man to be in the ring here. And that's what he was doing. And is this not just perfectly emblematic of what is wrong with the promotion and why they can't get anyone over? You know, the push Austin <laughs> theory with Vince McMahon, he's got not gotten over at all, despite associating with Vince. Then Austin Theory loses to an announcer. Yes, he's a real athlete. He's a, but I mean, come on. Obviously, he's super athletic. The way he would jump up to the top rope and stuff. But the the novice fan watching this, like, he guy was a punter. You know, yeah, <laughs> it's like did, an NFL punter. Yeah, I mean, did Reggie Roby beat Bret Hart at WrestleMania Seven? Oh, I love that <laughs> reference. Reggie Roby's yeah. from my hometown, by the way. <laughs> oh, you got to be shitting me! Wow, no. I just uh, oh my, my mom goodness. was in the chat here. She used to work with his mother. Oh, that's unbelievable. <laughs> I don't know if she's still watching it all, but yeah, that's God. hilarious that you threw that out there. Sorry, no, I Ryan. mean, exactly. By the way, sorry, sorry, Ryan's mom for my language. Ryan never talks like this. It's just <laughs> me, and I'm such a negative influence. She, ch- she checked it in the Facebook chat. She must have seen we were streaming. But uh, okay. no, it's uh, it's exactly right, though. I mean, I know he's a great athlete, and you have to be a great athlete to do that job. Yes, but most average people are like, hey, he's just a punter, you know? And then here he gets in here. He looks great. But the guy's only been in the ring a couple of times, and you've been hearing for months that Austin Theory is the next big thing, that he is the future universal champion, as you said, Kyle. And he freaking loses, and then Vince McMahon gets in there, this old man, and wins. Beat yes. Pat McAfee. What? Yeah, so that's the thing. The crowd was very happy to see Pat McAfee win. Like, very happy. Let's admit that right now let's be objective yeah, yeah. but it, he got huge pops they love they love him for sure it, it's something i admittedly disagreed with but he was over and then what do you do you feed the baby face to vince mcmahon who wins by punting a football into pat in a completely oh. crowd killing finish all right when he was teasing punting the ball into the crowd part of me was like please please do that and miss the ball like i've never really wanted anything so much in my life for Vince to try to punt and like miss, like, yes, yes. like that would have been incredible. Um, and this was all a setup, by the way. So, okay, maybe you're running an angle where Pat McAfee's going to want revenge on Vince McMahon and Austin Theory. No, this is just all a setup for Steve Austin to come out for a second night, which felt like total overkill. And Vince takes the single worst stunner bump ever, rivaling his wife at the time, Linda McMahon, and Donald Trump at WrestleMania 23. <laughs> So, what? <laughs> this was just a whole lot of stuff to have Steve Austin, who had the perfect send-off the previous night, to come out again for no damn reason. <laughs> Dude, Vince, uh, he telegraphed the whole thing, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> so, now, Vince, Vince, like, reacts to... Uh, the wrong theme song was, I think it was the Austin Theory theme song. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 So the Austin Theory theme song starts and Vince does the total, like I'm scared thing. Then they cut it and then Austin's theme comes. So you knew exactly what was going to happen. Right. Yeah. Knew exactly. Now, how mad would Vince McMahon have been if someone else messed up like that? 
he would be oh. in their ear for how like you reacted oh, yeah. to the wrong theme song. Yeah, this was just it was just terrible. <laughs> uh, you know, at least Austin Theory took a great stunner bump and Pat McAfee took a good stunner bump and the gif of him drinking on the outside. That was funny, but yeah. it doesn't justify what we got here. And I didn't think of it until after the fact. But Austin coming out at this point should have been a tell that Rock was not showing up here. Yeah. For sure. So, yeah, this was not great. Not great at all. Main event time? Yeah. Ready to rant? Yeah. Okay. Roman and Brock, winner take all, the biggest match in WrestleMania history, Kyle. Didn't feel like the biggest match in WrestleMania history. I, I You know, that's probably not a fair statement considering the presence both guys exuded on their way to the ring. This did feel like a main event. Mm-hmm. And then the bell rang. <laughs> no, this was... All right. Before I get to this, let's, let's see who we can have to blame for this one. Michael Hayes and Pat Buck agented this match. Um, yes. So the problem with it, they've got three WrestleMania main events, these guys. And I think I put it out there in the group or on Twitter afterwards. And, and Justin had said something along the same lines that this was the least memorable of their matches easily. Now we were there for 34. It was memorable because of how bad it was and the crowd revolt and everything. Honestly, I don't think I've even rewatched that match since attending it, but I think structurally it probably was a better match, even with the crowd revolt. Uh, in the first match at 31, they had a really good match, as you know we've talked about on the show before, uh, and then the Seth Cashin and everything. Here, it just felt like they were exchanging signature moves, and the finish came out of nowhere. Yep. You know, like we had the Superman punch attempts, we had the spears, we had the suplexes from Brock, the F5 attempts, we had him lock in the Kimura late. Um, by the way, I don't know if Roman's actually hurt. I haven't seen any updates on that. I don't know if Brock got carried away in the Kimura or something, because it looked pretty painful the way he or, had it locked in. But then they seemed was, to just go to the finish right after that. Or, or was something up with Brock? Because it seemed like he was forgetting things. What about that spear to the back? Like, it yeah. seemed like Brock yeah. got lost towards the finish. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is amazing, because... Since that one awesome match they had at WrestleMania 31, seven mm. years ago, by the way, every match these guys have done since has basically been the same. Yeah. I, it, to, to varying results, but like they, they worked the same match all the time. And mm. you're right, this just wasn't memorable at all. It was just, it felt like two guys going through the motions. Paul yeah. Heyman was funny. He had some good lines on the outside when he, you know, Brock was, uh, you know, staring him down and, Heyman's like, Roman made me do it. Roman made me do it. It was all his idea. And then when Roman was down, he's like, my tribal chief, this is your moment. No. And like, <laughs> so he was doing his part. I, yeah. Didn't take the F5. We all thought he might mm -hmm. in this, but he did not. Uh, the way this match was trending, I saw you commented on this in the Facebook group, Ryan, and I had the exact same thought when you wrote that. It really seemed to be setting up for a Lesnar victory the way the match was being worked before the completely abrupt finish. Yeah. Which was another flat finish to a Roman pay-per-view match. I mean, yep. 
dude, every finish, it seems, with this guy is just bad and out of nowhere. And you're just like, that's it? Mm. You know, the old fart in church <laughs> comment. It's just that I get that you don't want Roman going. And I think this is going to be a big discussion. Um, you don't want Roman going 0 for 3 against Lesnar at WrestleMania, but I don't know where you go from here. No. With with I'm... Roman winning, um, yeah, storyboard the next six months of title programs for me right now, Mr. Drosty. Don't you think that they've got to... I mean, I know he's... Well, I guess the titles are unified. I think you know, right now it looked like Cody was going to be on Raw, but don't you think they got to elevate Cody right into that title picture? But they don't have anybody gonna, else. But he's not going <laughs> to win, and then what do you do when he loses? I almost think he should win at least one of the belts because you think they're going to have Cody be the guy to be. I don't think I, I think they're going to do the most lame, cheap way possible to ununify the titles. That's another thing too. like looking forward to WWE. That's going to be like so crummy the way they do it. Yeah. And you know, it is. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I feel like with Cody, they, he's, I mean, he's super hot right now, obviously, you know, coming in with all this momentum, got one of the best reactions of the weekend. The match was, as we got into yesterday's show, was all right, but he got a great reaction. He He's seen as a superstar right now. We don't want to see him mid-card. They've got to do better than that with this guy. And they don't really have any challengers. So what do you do? To your point, I mean, he seems logical. He beat Seth. Seth was recently a challenger. So yeah, even if it's too. like... Bre- yeah, but I mean, even if it's brief, like if he were to win a belt, a world title quickly, it would legitimize him long term, you know? Yeah. Well, and the thing is, you know, regardless if they put him in the main event picture right away or don't, Cody's probably only going to cool off in a few months, no matter what they do with him. It's WWE television. Yeah. No one stays yeah. hot on that abysmal stuff. Uh, Phil Lindsay of the Grapsity Pod, I pointed out astutely, I might add. This Roman Reigns has not had a good pay-per-view match since Cesaro last April. Yeah. They, they're just all the same damn thing with these flat finishes. And and I just don't know how the hell. I mean, even if they get The Rock for WrestleMania 39, I don't know how you are going to fill up a year's worth of world title matches involving Roman Reigns. If you're not going to beat him. I mean, that's the thing is. And, and, and he's not going to lose to The Rock. He can't. That's like the one guy he should absolutely not lose to. You, he. All right. So he's got to drop the title between now and then. They can't have him carry it all the way to next year. And they just don't have, like we we're talking about, they don't have any challengers. I like, I don't know where you go. That's why I just settled on Cody because he's hot. I mean, it would make the most sense. Who's the hottest guy in the promotion? You know, or who are some of the hottest guys that Roman hasn't already beat? I don't know that he would actually win, but I mean, at least program him with Roman pretty quickly and that elevates him. People see him more as a main eventer, maybe. I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm grasping at straws here too, trying to come up with who could possibly work a program with Roman next because he's beat everybody. Yeah. He hasn't worked Lashley since their summer of 2017 program. Has he? Remember, I think they worked at the infamous Great Balls of Fire pay-per-view. Yeah, it's been a while. I, w- I want to say that. Now, I remember Lashley, that was like the first time he seemed like cool. That was a a pretty good match. I yeah. remember they had a pay-per-view, and then mm-hmm. they immediately undid it. They had Roman beat him like the next night or a week later on TV, and yeah. Lashley just floundered until he M- MVP picked him up. So, yeah, I don't know, man. Um 
again, big picture. We want to get into this a little bit here. I'll try to shoot through this, Ryan. I know you're you're fighting with every by God fiber in your be- being. <laughs> the flu pod. Oh yeah, my God. But, all right, I'm I'm gonna make it. All right, like this show does not, and this weekend in general, even night one, which we agree was better. It doesn't make me like excited to put on WWE television. Like I'm not. I mean, the national championship games tonight, which is of more interest to me than Monday Night Raw, and I yeah. so I wouldn't watch. But like, I'm not like race. Even like this Cody promo, I'll just freaking watch it later in the week. Like, and I don't think that's must see TV. I'm just. There seems to be two kinds of people that would really like WrestleMania this year. Okay, this goes especially for night two. One is the people who generally enjoy this slop. That's for you, Tim Jensen. Uh, Chad messaged me overnight. He's like, this Dallas crowd really loves WWE. And he's he wasn't wrong. The people in the building did genuinely seem to love both nights of WrestleMania. So that there are people who do enjoy it. And God bless them, okay? Um, I'm not in that group. And then I'm not in this other group either, which... Tell me if this is fair. I think there are people out there. Well, I know there are people out there who wrestling is the most important thing in their lives. And mania by being such a big production now with, you know, and how it's covered by the mainstream that almost seems like it's an annual validation for their decision to love wrestling so much. Is that a fair comment? Ryan Drosty. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and for the, for the record. And I think this has been, made pretty clear over the last six years. You, more than anyone, would know this. I love wrestling. And talking about it is one of my favorite things to do. But thinking about this show and WWE in general, it it kind of reminds me about my relationship with music and how it's very comparable to wrestling. I love wrestling. I love music. But I don't love popular music. And I don't want to talk about popular music. And if I had a podcast about music i would never talk about like the top 10 songs in america because i know i don't like them and so i don't even pay it and for me it's you know i work by myself it's very easy to avoid it you know my wife came home crying one time from work she's like oh the, all the other girls in the office were talking about these popular songs and i didn't know them because of you you want to listen to like 25 <laughs> year old pavement records when we're driving across the country <laughs> sorry honey but you know it, like i kind of feel like wwe now is pop music or it's the kind of pop American pop culture I just don't like. It, like, yeah, it, it, yeah. You, you know, it's there have been two times, twice upon a time, the WWE became a part of pop culture, seemingly on its own terms, late eighties, late nineties. Right? It did it its way. It's like people started talking about it because of what they were doing. Now it just seems they like desperately try to attach themselves to this larger pop culture sphere. And that's how they plan to be talked about. Yeah. That was like my big takeaway from the two nights of WrestleMania. And for some people, that's great because wrestling's never been more accepted in the mainstream. And like I said, it validates people's love of it, but I don't need that validation. Like if if you asked me after we're done here, you know, as, as you're, getting to bed and you can laugh about this while you're laying in bed all day. Kyle, come up with 50 topics for the next year for top rope nation. I could do that easily. And none of them would be the modern WWE. Oh, no! like I could, I could easily talk about 50 different things in wrestling history. And I I don't know. I just, I I feel like it, it, 
WWE, like, this show was very clearly the modern WWE at its best, I think. Mm-hmm. And what does that say? Like, for me I, and my relationship with it, like, I, I just, like, if this is the best they're going to get, I think it probably is. I mean, I don't know, man. I just feel like my relationship with wrestling would be better if I just really talked about modern WWE less. <laughs> I mean, night one was fun. Mm-hmm. Night two had its moments. But when you look at it objectively, as far as what does Big this promotion picture. look, yeah, promotion look like over the next couple of years, and, you know, and some of the fun stuff was the young stars, like I talked about. I know Orton was in the match, but the tag early was was a really good match. You know, are they going to do a good job elevating these people long term and giving you something different? And I think I made the point on the show one time that WWE just plays the greatest hits. You know, they're the the classic band that goes out there and plays the same set every single night. You get Vince McMahon out there. Bruce you know. Springsteen doesn't do that, everybody. I learned the hard way about that. <laughs> oh, he, he truly doesn't. But, you know, like some of those bands, your your <laughs> your boys, uh, I know, traditionally one of your favorite bands was the Eagles, Kyle. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> look, but, like, man, the Eagles just, would play about the same set every night. You know what I look, mean? Like, man, they don't really I just change don't like the Eagles, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, they play the greatest hits. You get Steve Austin out there. You get Vince McMahon to the detriment of the younger talent. You know, um, so, I mean, they don't take a lot of risks anymore because they make money. <laughs> it's yeah, just, and, it's and just how it is. They don't, it, they don't want to go out there and play, um, their lesser known tracks at that often. Cause they don't want to turn on off the masses who might only tune in once in a while and only know the big stars. Well, they only know those guys as the big stars because those are the only people you push as the big stars. It, so it's, it's just like this loop that never corrects. It, it's corporate wrestling. And like, yeah. I just think that like the, I have to watch my language because then I, I will run the risk of it. just alienating people. But like, I feel like the people who really do enjoy WWE again, like their musical tastes, their movie tastes, their television tastes just probably aren't in line with me. And that's fine. I'm kind of like a weirdo, right? Like I said, like my favorite, you know, bit of music on the show is the fucking Minutemen who, you know, <laughs> like a, an album from like almost 40 years ago that probably, like I said, six people listening to this podcast even know. And whatever, that's cool. But I mean, you know, Alter Bridge? <laughs> like, I mean, that's where, you <laughs> Sorry, know, some of the, the weekend? Like, you know? <laughs> yeah. Mike Johnson's happy, at least. I just, I know we're running out of time, and you probably wouldn't guess it anyway. But if I told you what my two least favorite TV shows are, Ryan, <laughs> you've been talking to me, hanging out long enough that you'd probably be like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Of all time? No, like right now, excluding like, really like hideous things like judge Jadine Pirro. It's not, I mean, that goes without saying, but yeah. like, like regular TV, sh- like the today show and entertainment tonight. Oh, I cannot yeah. stand those programs. Like yeah. in my circle of friends, if you said something like this is the video we need in times like these, you get your ass kicked. Nobody talks <laughs> like that. And like, the enter- like the entertainment tonight, how it fawns over celebrity. I just feel like that's what WWE, they fawn over celebrity. And they know what they want to be, and I kind of understand it. And honestly, I I feel about it the way Meltzer felt about '80s WWF. You nod, you say they're doing well, uh, but even when it executes well for its fan base, which it seemingly did this weekend, I'm not sure if it's for me. Again, yeah. did this weekend make me more interested in following the World Wrestling Federation? No, it did not. As we always say on these shows, they exist in a vacuum and they might be fun, but in the broader picture, 
They're just not pulling us back to the weekly television that often. Everyone shit on WrestleMania 32 at the time. That was a universal one that everyone hated. But like since then, I feel like every WrestleMania in the moment, people are like, oh, that was pretty good. Oh, that wasn't bad. And then a couple years later go by and everyone's like, God, the last few years of WrestleMania have been dire. Yeah. Right? I mean, we went through about the Facebook group. No one was defending the last six years of WrestleMania when I wrote those up. Nope. And I I feel like we'll look back at this one. Eh. Yeah, I mean, as good as that opening tag was, nobody's going to talk about it in a couple of months. People probably remember the, the Johnny Knoxville thing. They'll remember... Cody's debut and outside of that anything going to live on through the years I mean comparing night one and night two I think I mean Austin obviously sorry yeah yeah, Austin yeah but the the three most memorable things of Wrestlemania 38 the two nights together all occurred on night one yeah with Bianca Becky Cody's debut and Austin wrestling I mean like you said Johnny Knoxville is probably the most interesting thing to come out of night two yeah, and then other than I'm, those four things, you know, there's nothing that you can't find else elsewhere. I think the story they should move forward with is that Bianca is Miss WrestleMania. You know, two years in a row, she's had these two big moments, arguably the, the two best matches for the last two WrestleManias. I mean, talk about a young star on the rise. We talked about this yesterday on the program, but do right by her. It's right there for you. I mean, she does have that mainstream crossover appeal, I think. And she'll be jobbing to the figure eight by SummerSlam. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, you're probably you know, not wrong. Yeah. yeah I mean, we, we always say we criticize because we want it to get better. But I don't know, man. I They're not listening to us. Yeah. And, and they don't need to, to be honest. Yeah. There's enough people who like the greatest hits albums. And they're going to keep playing them until people are sick of them greatest hits. But I don't know when that's going to be. Well, you know, on the bright side, there's a lot of wrestling out there. There is a lot of wrestling that we do like, and we try to cover that on the show as much as possible. I did see that FTR Briscoe's match. It was freaking awesome. Lived up to the hype that you and Justin told me yesterday. And so I enjoyed watching that. I mean, that's that and uh, Becky and Bianca were the best matches of the weekend. Easily. I, I wanted to see uh, Mox against uh, the four, the the, uh, the now former Oni Lorcan, 50 yeah. I want I at Bloodsport I heard that got good reviews so yeah um I might check that out All right guys the flu pod I made it through struggling Yay! a little bit We wanted to get this out for the listeners so thanks for tuning in appreciate it both nights of WrestleMania have now been reviewed here on Top Rope Nation join us in the Facebook group every single day we're in there talking pro wrestling as I said at the top of the show become a patron it's the best way to support the growth of this show get bonus content And, of course, subscribe wherever you're getting podcasts. Leave us that five-star rating. Subscribe on YouTube. It helps out a lot. Kyle, it's been a blast, sir. Thank you, man. Made me feel a little bit better to talk to you. All right, yeah, man. Yeah, just lay down and don't do anything else the rest of the day. Put on the Eric Bischoff TED Talk. Yeah, Yeah, you going to rewatch WrestleMania 38? No, (laughs) definitely not. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. It was awesome. All right. Yep. All right, guys. We will uh, catch you again real soon. Take care. Have a good week.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.